What is up? And welcome in to another day after edition of Post Loons following last night's big Minnesota United victory, or excuse me, felt like a victory. It was a draw, 2-2 at LAFC. Hassani Dotson getting the goal at the death to give Minnesota United that huge, huge road points. What is up? My name is Jeremy Rue here with you at 12 p.m. Central Time, the day after, to break it all down. Thank you so much for tuning in. Whether you're watching on Twitter or YouTube, feel free to leave a question or comment here on the stream. Would love to respond to that. Uh, since I have no co-host this week, those questions and comments are going to be huge for that interaction and uh, keeping things rolling here on the stream. So please leave those if you're watching. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to give us a thumbs up on the stream. That's huge for our placement on YouTube. Um, we're presented by our good, good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. Check them out, NinthStreetMPLS.com to learn all about them. We'll, uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about Ninth Street as we get rolling here. But yes, huge win. Or Again, I say win because it felt like a win, right? Getting that goal, the very last shot of the match, that goal to equalize 90 plus five from Hassani Dotson really made that draw feel like three points. And I don't blame anyone for feeling like that's a win last night because to go at LAFC, especially after building the equity that you built in getting three points off Seattle, getting three points off Portland, heading into that match. I mean, a loss after a run of that play against a team like LAFC on the road would not have been terrible, right? Um, a draw, you're, you're just kind of hoping for a point at that point. I think it was pretty obvious with the lineup selections, which we'll get to in a little bit, that Adrian Heath was really sort of focusing on, okay, you know, at best, let's try to get a point out of this. Let's rest some guys so that way we're ready to go here moving forward. But at the same time, it's awesome to get that point because it finishes off a seven-point week for Minnesota United against Portland, against Seattle, and against LA. You get seven points off of them. So this is just amazing, amazing work by Minnesota United to come out with that draw to wrap up a great week. Uh, again, questions and comments are welcome on the stream. Christopher Alphaby says, at the 80th minute, I got this feeling like this team was going to bail Heath out on his subs, and they did. Um, yes, I saw a lot more criticism of Adrian Heath and his substitutions last night, bringing off Reynoso and Lode, bringing on Agudelo and Alonzo. Um, I do think um, it's it's fair to criticize continuing to put Ozzy Alonso on the pitch late in matches when it seems like Minnesota United continues to give up goals almost immediately following his insertion into matches. Because the reason you bring him on is to you know defend and and help out on the back line and help kind of you know hold up play and make sure that the other team does not get another goal. Keep yourself in the match, right? Well, it seems like Ozzy Alonso is having the opposite effect for Minnesota United right now. So I will agree on that front that it's a little interesting why Adrian Heath keeps going to Ozzy Alonso in that situation. But I will counter Christopher by saying this is the third time in three straight games that a late Adrian Heath sub has directly affected a late huge goal for Minnesota. The last two matches, late subs bringing Robin Lode to the striker position and inserting Juan Agadello in the game, specifically last game, led to late winning goals. This time, inserting Jan Gregus, which there was a report earlier yesterday or earlier the day before 
um, from Minnesota's 11 on Twitter, who has been, well, he's like not an official, you know, insider for Minnesota United, not somebody officially on the beat. He is right about these things far more than he is wrong. And Minnesota's 11 did say that Minnesota United does plan to part ways with Jan Gregus, um, you know, by, by season's end, if not sell him before then. So, um, you know, that, that was a storyline heading in, but Gregus coming in late in the match influences that uh, game tying goal from Hassani Dotson, sending a beautiful ball in where Dotson hits it on the half volley and scores. So yes, there were some, the, there were a, a couple head scratching moments when it comes to Adrian Heath's management of the game last night, but I will counter by saying that he made a decision that directly affected that game tying goal. Um, if like Christopher, you have more questions and comments on the match last night, or as I mentioned on Twitter, this is not just post loons today. This is post SUNY Lee winning the mother effing all around gold at the Olympics uh, today as well from St. Paul. Uh, great for her. Um, so, um, you know, we, we can talk about that. We can talk about the game. Just good vibes only here on post loons as we move forward. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Christopher does say a very fair counter there. Thank you, Christopher. Appreciate the insight. Appreciate the interaction that you give us both on Twitter and on, uh, and on the stream here. Very much appreciate it. So now we're going to get into my three things. Uh, we always start off by kind of my three mains from this match. The first one is return of the four, three, three. It was an interesting lineup decision from Heath. Anytime Minnesota United strays away from the four, two, three, one, it's kind of like an eye opener because it doesn't happen very often. And they traditionally don't perform well with that 4-3-3. But I also didn't hate it, considering the circumstances of this is your third match in seven days. You don't have Michael Boxall. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're rotating a little bit, right? Because it is your third match in seven days. So based off the personnel you had out there, you know, inserting Ja'Cory Hayes in the central in the central defensive midfield, you have Brent Coleman along the back line. Um, I do kind of understand that decision. But, you know, return of the 4-3-3, they actually get a point out of the 4-3-3-2, which is great to see. Uh, my second thing is bend, don't break defense. Despite not having Michael Boxall and despite losing Chase Gasper early in the match, which we'll get to in a little bit, plus a really bad turnover, an uncharacteristic turnover from Roman Metnair leading to that opening LAFC goal from Carlos Vela. The Loons did about as well as they could have defensively to stay in this match and give themselves the opportunity to level it at the depth, at the death depth. Uh, LAFC offensively was about as good as you will see them in attack last night. They had that attack turned up to 11 last night. And Minnesota United defensively, for the most part, which without Michael Boxall, without Chase Gasper for a majority of the match, that's really about as that's really about as good as you can hope them to perform in considering those circumstances, you know, holding LAFC to two goals, considering those circumstances, I think is a, uh, is, is a positive for Minnesota United. So it was really Ben don't break defense to use kind of a, another analogy. You hear that in, in football and basketball a lot. I think it applied last night though, to Minnesota United um, in that match against LAFC. And then my final thing, pretty simple. Don't count out the loons. Uh, another late goal to either give them three points or give them one point, a massive point to wrap up a, an even more massive seven point week for the loons. Currently Minnesota United six sits sixth in the Western conference table, but fifth in points per game they actually let uh, that, that draw um, 
you know, help keep them ahead of LAFC in the points per game standings. And this is heading into a stretch now where you play three of four and four of your next six against weaker competition in terms of positioning. So this is a big stretch to continue to build off this and, and maybe even further solidify yourself as a top five or even top four team in the West. So those are my three things. If you have any big takeaways from the match, please feel free to drop them in the chat on Twitter and YouTube. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, again, please feel free to give us that thumbs up. All right. Now, as I mentioned, it is time to shout out our good friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Um, if you are located in the Minneapolis area or the Twin Cities Metro at all, Ninth Street really is your best bet for playing pickup soccer, rain or shine. And even if it is sunny out and you feel like you'd rather play outside, they have these garage doors at Ninth Street that they can open. And it really does kind of give you that, that indoor-outdoor feel. I'm sorry for using that word. I've been watching a lot of Selling Sunset with the fiancé recently, which is actually low-key a great show. But uh, it really does kind of make you feel like you're outside while still having that roof over your head so you can play no matter the elements. Um, they have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evening pickup at 7 p.m. They now have new lunchtime pickup on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 12 p.m. And that coffee shop is on the way very, very soon. So great things going on with Derek and the team over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. I always say this every time we shout them out, but they are great people trying to do something really great for the soccer community. So it would mean a lot if you would lend them your support, either by just checking them out, giving them a follow on social media, checking out their website, maybe signing up for some pickup, um, you know, buying a t-shirt, um, you know, going to one of their loons watch parties, which happen for road matches that aren't at nine or nine 30 at night. You know, it, it's, it's a great business, great guys doing great things to try to help the Minnesota soccer community. So please go to nightstreetmpls.com. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at nightstreetmpls. That's N-I-N-T-H, the word night spelled out street MPLS to learn more about our good friends over at night street soccer and coffee. All right, Dave Valensky is bringing in a question. He says, now that Mason Toy is on fire in Montreal, do you think Minnesota got rid of him too quickly? Here is my take on Mason Toy. And it's it's an unpopular one, but I think he did about as well as he was going to do in Minnesota. Um, I'm not saying he reached his ceiling in Minnesota, but I think what we saw from Mason Toy in Minnesota, I think he was kind of looking for something new. It wasn't necessarily the organization giving up on him or looking to get rid of him, I don't think. I really think it was Mason making that decision that he wanted something new, which which is is his in his right, in his own right. Um, he has that choice uh in terms of what he wants to do with his career. So I think it was more a Mason decision, not a Minnesota decision. And if Minnesota were to say, nope, I know you said you want to trade. We're not going to trade you. You know, that could have influenced his quality of play in a Minnesota United uni uh, uniform for the negative too. Not saying it would have, but when you deny somebody a trade, you know, we've seen in other sports too. Sometimes they mail it in for the rest of the time. Not saying that's Mason's character, not saying that's something he would have done, but I think Minnesota United were in a position with Mason Toy that it was best to get rid of him. They got some allocation money in, in return. So I, I think it was kind of best for all parties. Because look at the roster that, that Minnesota United has built. I mean, you have a good striker in Adrian Nunu. You have a good backup in Ramon Abila. I mean, these guys have not performed to their full potential yet. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you've built a good roster since offloading Mason Toy. I'm very happy for him 
that he is doing so well in Montreal, especially after not doing really well at all uh, after he was traded initially. He is having such a great season. He's actually one of the premier attacking players in MLS in general. So um, really, really good to see Mason doing well. And I think it benefited all parties involved uh, with Minnesota United uh, getting rid of him. Or not getting rid of him, but trading him, I should say. Uh, I apologize. My voice is probably going to crack a few times and go out. I am on the mend when it comes to having uh, you know, losing my voice. I'm not sick at all. I don't feel bad. But uh, yeah, my voice is, is, is recovering. So um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, how'd you feel? Uh, Alex McCracken says, how'd you feel DJ Taylor did on the left? Seemed like they were picking on Chase to start the match. Didn't notice it as much when DJ went in. Um, it is a tough position to be in with a young player like DJ getting put in a position like that so early in the match. Um, and when I reference, I'll reference back that Ben don't break defense that I felt I saw with Minnesota over the course of the match. I think DJ Taylor was a massive part of that. I think he played excellent given the circumstances, excellent in general, not even grading on necessarily that circumstantial curve, but I think DJ played excellent last night. He has answered the call every single time Adrian Heath has, has called his number, called his name. Um, and this is a young player who has a, a, an extremely bright future in this league, whether it's for Minnesota or maybe Minnesota sees value in him and they can, they can either sell him or trade him for some significant value back. You know, that's a question. That's a conversation for another time in the future. But right now, DJ Taylor, I think he is aside from Ethan Finley and maybe you want to throw Hassani Dotson in there too. I think he's, he's Minnesota United's best depth option at this point in terms of the, the impact he brings along that back line. Minnesota United, I've, I say this every week. I feel like I'm, I'm sort of beating a dead horse with this and kind of going around in circles with this. But they lead from the back. They lead from the back. This is a team that leads from the back. They've built this great roster all around, great, great attacking play, great midfield. They lead from the back. A strong back line leads to a strong Minnesota United. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's, I think DJ Taylor fits into that mold so extremely well. I think you played excellent again last night. Again, if you're like Alex, Dave, or Chris, you have a question for the stream, feel free to drop that in. Getting back into the game notes here, uh, we're kind of going to go uh, half by half here, uh, minute by minute, in terms of the big, big things that happened in this match, because um, there were a lot of them. Uh, and it started with Carlos Vela almost putting LAFC up very, very early on in the third minute. Uh, he gets a through ball. Sends in a left-footed curler at goal, but it's wide. Would have been a Galazzo. Would have been a banger right off the bat. <clears throat> uh, 13th minute, Sifuentes. And I want to talk about Sifuentes for a minute because Carlos Vela was obviously the one who got the goal, uh, the initial goal. Uh, but Sifuentes was really the one carving up Minnesota United's midfield pretty much all match long. They did not have an answer for Sifuentes or Carlos Vela last night, uh, which a lot of teams don't. So that's not necessarily something against Minnesota, but when you're you're playing sort of your A minus roster, your B plus roster, um, that's going to happen in the midfield, and it happened last night. Uh, he finds bailouts inside the 18, shots right at Miller, who does well to corral. That was in the 13th minute. <coughs> Apologies, guys. This is this cough is just now coming on, so uh, we may have to cut off post loons a little early. Uh, 18th minute. This is when Chase Gasper takes an apparent knock to the hip area. And has to come off for the first time this season. This is the first time all year that Chase Gasper has come off the field. He has played every minute, been such a solid, consistent figure. 
for Minnesota United up to this point. DJ Taylor replaces him. And as we mentioned, Taylor played well all match long. Um, after the match, Adrian Heath did say, I saw this quote tweeted by Andy Grader of the Pioneer Press. Um, Heath was less than optimistic about Gasper's outlook in terms of moving forward. He said it does not look good for him. Hopefully you can kind of uh, uh, balance that out with Michael Boxall coming back sooner rather than later. Um, and I think DJ Taylor has shown enough where I would be, I'd be very okay. I mean, obviously Chase Gasper is a guy you want back. You want on the field as much as possible, but I would be very okay if Gasper's out for a long or for an extended period of time or even a short period of time with DJ Taylor sort of taking that role. I'd be comfortable with him taking that starting spot um, uh, from Gas or you know, while Gasper's out, I should say. And that's a huge opportunity for him too. I mean, nothing against Chase Gasper, but if he's out for four or five games and DJ Taylor puts together really, really good performances during that stretch, you could see a, uh, a situation where, you know, that spot is now DJ Taylor's moving forward. Uh, 23rd minute, Hayes catches an elbow to the face from Blessing, goes down for a minute or so, but he ends up staying in. I was uh, actually uh, texting, DMing with the uh, Dummy Run guys, uh, Grant and Alex from the Dummy Run podcast, um, earlier today, late last night, talking about, you know, what we what we saw from the match. Um, Ja'Cory Hayes wasn't necessarily somebody who stood out. But at the same time, um, <clears throat> he's somebody who, you know, shows a lot of consistency when he's in there. Um, he's somebody who's not going to lose you the match. He doesn't, never really plays poorly. He's kind of very uh, consistent and solid in that regard. And I think he was so again last night. Um, while he didn't, st- like I said, he didn't jump off the screen at all, do anything crazy. Um, uh, you know, pretty pretty consistent, pretty solid performance last night uh, and a start from Ja'Cory Hayes. Uh, 36 minute, Debassi turns possession over with a nice challenge in the defensive third. Uh, and the Loons spring it on the counterattack, which ends in Dotson sending a shot way wide. Uh, and then the 41st, this is the initial goal. Great work from Carlos Vela off a, uh, off a midfield turnover from Roman Metnair. Uh, Vela breaks free and finishes well, just over the head of Gasper to give LAFC the lead. That chip, little chip finish over Gasper was beautiful from Carlos Vela. That's what kind of you expect from him. And then to end off the first half, 45 plus, a low free kick from Reynoso goes across goal. <clears throat> Man, that was that was one of those moments where you kind of half stand up off your seat because there are three loons right in front of the goal, but none can get a boot on it off that low cross. So we end up halftime, uh, 1-0 LAFC. Um, all in all, I think it was a decent first half uh, from Minnesota. Yeah, you give up the goal, um, but you had a lot not going your way, losing Gasper and such. So um, I think uh, I think things, you know, you're going to half down one nil, but you're not exactly um, very uh, pessimistic if you're a Minnesota United fan. Got a few more questions coming in here. Uh, this one from Minnesota's 11, the aforementioned Minnesota's 11. Says, do you think load starting over who knew was simply to rest Adrian <clears throat> or rather a tactical change after Unu's poor start? I could see this going both ways because Robin Lode has scored – the last two winning goals from Minnesota United after being moved to the striker position, right? And this is a guy who does have a history in Minnesota of playing striker in big games. He did so in the all in the playoffs last year. Now, in those circumstances last year, they didn't have a striker the caliber of Adrian who knew they barely had a striker at all, right? Um, I think you go with Unu. Uh, personally, you you brought him in for a reason. <clears throat> the sample size he has is far greater than what we've seen from an Minnesota United uniform. And the sample size says 
<coughs> excuse me, guys, that he's going to be a solid starter in this league moving forward. So I don't think you give up on, on Anu just yet. I don't think Adrian Heath is giving up on Anu just yet. I think it was rest-related, but also confidence in Lude to play that nine position well, to play that striker position well. Um, but we saw last night, while there were a couple opportunities, um, wasn't necessarily that same impact from Lude that we had previously saw in the first two matches. So tactically, I think it might be best suited for Lude to kind of make that transition from the wing to the striker later in matches as opposed to just starting. Um, but yeah, I think it was a little bit of both to answer your question, Minnesota's 11. I think it was more rest related, <clears throat> but also having that confidence in Robin Lude that, uh, you know, we can put him in the striker position and he'll be fine. If Lude had scored two or three goals, maybe that leads to a tactical change, but obviously that didn't happen last night. All right. So who's this? Tons seven says thoughts on Finley's performance as a starter. I like Ethan Finley a lot. Former uh, MLS best 11, you know, former U.S. men's national. He's got a couple U.S. men's national team caps to his name. Uh, great veteran in this league. The work he does with the Players Association is awesome. Um, I don't think he's the way this Minnesota United roster is. And let's get real, guys. This roster stacked for Minnesota United as far as when they're completely healthy. The 11 they have on the field is absolutely stacked. Ethan Finley is not one of those guys. He is a great bench option, a great sort of super sub, if you will, to come off the bench <clears throat> and provide energy late in matches. I thought last night, considering it was kind of a rotationary situation, I thought he played all right. Um, probably should have had a goal, uh, especially in that 90 plus three situation where uh, Dotson sends that shot in, gets deflected up from Romero right into the feet of Finley. He kind of got a score in that situation, I think, but at the same time, he continues to put himself in goal scoring positions and doesn't do anything to the detriment of the team. And that's really all you can ask for in that scenario. If you're Adrian Heath and if you're a Minnesota United fan. So considering all that, I was, I was very, very okay <clears throat> with Finley's performance. He didn't jump off the screen. It wasn't a, you know, 10 out of 10 foot mob rating performance, but it was good enough. I think, I think what all you can really ask for considering the circumstances. Dave Alinsky says it was nice to see shots on target, something that's been the Achilles heel for this team. Yes, they made Romero work last night, which I think is positive. <clears throat> now, you only get a couple goals on the board, but at the same time, it's a crooked number. Anytime you can put a crooked number on the board with the defense that Minnesota United has shown they have over the last few years, you're if you're a Minnesota United fan, you're in a pretty you're pretty confident that you're going to get at least a point out of it if Minnesota and I can get two goals, right? And getting more shots on goal leads to more goals. <clears throat> I, I put this stat out on Twitter yesterday that um, while they only have 15 goals on the, only had 15 goals on the season, I should say, or thir yeah, 15 goals coming into the LAFC match last night. Their XG, their expected goals were 22.9. And that 7.9 goal to XG difference was the second highest in the league uh, behind only Chicago Fire. Now that has dropped to 6.9 because they scored two goals last night and only had one expected goal. So that actually difference dropped to 6.9. They're still on like the third or fourth highest in the league off that. But um, I do think that you should see the tide start to turn if sample sizes you know, are correct and analytics are correct, which they, which they usually are. 
uh, in terms of indicating future performance. I do think that um, it's it's a good bet that we'll see more more goals coming from Minnesota United moving forward. Um, if like Dave, Tan seven and Minnesota's eleven. If you guys have more questions for the stream, whether you're watching on Twitter or YouTube, please drop those. Also, please give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. All right, back to the game notes. Second half, forty eighth minute. Minnesota United equalizes off the foot of Emmanuel Reynoso. This was <clears throat> a fantastic goal. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Lode sends a pass in the box. Uh, Reynoso is able to corral it, make a run with, make a little bit of a run with it. And then as he's sliding, send a beautiful shot. I mean, this is an off balance shot with his left foot. And it is, it's got some pace to it. Um, there's nothing Romero could have done, tucks it away in the far corner in Minnesota United's level. I mean, <clears throat> for as uninfluential as Emmanuel Reynoso has been previously, he gets an assist in the last match. Really good goal. To me, it was more of a confidence thing with Reynoso. Uh, in terms of he had been getting bullied, pushed around. You know, obviously he's been a focal point of the opposing team's game plan all season long. But he's starting to find his footing a little bit. And he's starting to get, I mean, you get an assist and a goal in back-to-back games. <clears throat> that builds your confidence. And if that's an indicator for future quality from Reynoso moving forward, that can only mean really good things for Minnesota United. So excellent goal from Ray there in the 48th. I actually had a question on Twitter. If I go to the replies from my tweet, <clears throat> TK, Ton7, says, tough question. What was the better goal? Both were jaw-dropping for me. Um, to me, I don't know. I love half volleys. I love volleys. I love half volleys. Uh, so I'm going to go with Dotson's game winner. But, uh, you know, that's taken nothing away from, from Reynoso's goal. That was, that was excellent. Excellent work from him to uh, equalize early in the second half. And that's big. You know, starting the second half with an equalizing goal is big for momentum and big moving forward. Uh, 50th minute, former loon Raheem Edwards launches across into the box, which finds the head of Vela, but he doesn't get all of it. And the shot deflects wide. Great to see Raheem Edwards last night. Um, <clears throat> 56th minute, great job from Brett Coleman here. Um, called upon a pair of times to get in front of a couple LAFC shots. <clears throat> Miller corrals to keep the match level. 62nd minute, Sifuentes, who again had been carving up Minnesota's midfield all night, finds himself in a good goal-scoring position there. Um, so he had been the distributor for most of the match, but here he is uh, finding a good uh, good opportunity himself. Um, he goes near post. Tyler Miller does well. Miller played excellent again last night. Um, 65th minute, yet another solid save from Miller, this time denying Diego Rossi. Uh, 68th minute, um, this influential sub, Minnesota United brings in Gregush for Hayes. Alonzo Nagadello on for Reynoso and Lode in the 74th. And then the 78th, LAFC takes the lead. And this is where the criticism started to come into play, specifically when it comes to the Ozzy Alonzo sub. And again, referencing back to the initial question that came in in terms of kind of indicating that Minnesota United won in spite of Adrian Heath's sub subbing decisions, I do think you can criticize <clears throat> the Ozzy Alonso decision uh, because it has been sort of detrimental uh, to, to Minnesota in a lot of cases this season where they brought Ozzy Alonso on and they've conceded shortly after. So I do get the criticism there. Uh, but again, he did bring on Greg Gushon, who was influential in the game winner so, or in the, in the equalizer. So, um, so the 78th minute goal comes in from Atruesta. 
He finds the head of Tristan Blackman from a corner kick who finishes and gives the home side the late lead. <clears throat> 87th with Minnesota pressing up to try and grab an equalizer. Sefuentes again receives a pass in the box and he is wide open here. This to me, if I'm an LAFC fan, I mean, this should have been 3-1 LA in this, in this situation here in the 87. Let's get real. He is wide open. It's just him and Tyler Miller. He doesn't take it one time. He doesn't take one touch and put it on goal. He takes three touches. Like, I get maybe one touch, but the last two are completely unnecessary, allowing Ozzy Alonso to track back and make an excellent defensive play. So while we have criticized the decision to put Ozzy Alonso on, um, because it has, you know, the sample size has said it's not really been a uh, positive thing for Minnesota United this season, um, he was influential here tracking back and stopping that opportunity from Sepuentes, keeping the loons in striking distance. <clears throat> 90 plus three, Minnesota United almost equalizes. Dotson, this is some excellent work on the ball with Dotson, getting around a defender into the box, sends one to the far post. Romero gets a paw on it. The rebound goes right to Finley, who puts it on net, but it's right at Romero, and he's able to keep LAFC on top. And then 90 plus five, the goal. Um, just an excellent ball in from Gregush. Uh, in in real time, I thought it was kind of just a blind ball towards the top of the 18. But watching the highlights and seeing if you replays, I mean, he had picked Dotson out before he had sent that ball in. Um, and it finds Dot at the edge of the 18, fires a half volley, beating Romero, finding the back of the net, and Minnesota United steal a point in LA. You take that point and you get out there, you get out of there as fast as you possibly can, right? Um, excellent, excellent uh, ending to an excellent week for Minnesota United. <clears throat> Just about a half hour in here, guys. Thank you so much. We'll stick around for a few more minutes. So if you have a question or comment on the match, feel free to drop those in the chat. <clears throat> Got a couple of Twitter questions here from uh, Grant of the Dummy Run podcast. He says, if Robin Lode hadn't been subbed out in the 74th and played the rest of the game, how many goals would he have had? At least three, right? Um, hard to tell. I mean, he wasn't very influential in terms of uh, goal scoring over the course of the match. So it's hard to tell kind of, you know, it's one of those, you know, you, you step on a fly and everything changes, right? So, um, you know, I'm not really sure how that would have played out for Minnesota United. <clears throat> Real question, though, from Grant. says thoughts on Agadella's performance this game. So last match, James Hargrave and I kind of criticized the decision to put Juan Agadello on because – he doesn't necessarily do anything that that on the surface directly affects the outcome of the match. Personally, I have never played a single second of, of meaningful soccer in my life. <clears throat> I'm more come at this from a viewer standpoint. Um, I've been a huge fan of soccer my entire life, but I've never actually played. So some of the more in-depth tactics of it, I don't necessarily see or quite understand at this at this uh, juncture. But looking back, it was Agodello sort of making a run to pull a defender away that led to the game winner against Portland. <clears throat> and tonight it wasn't necessarily that kind of direct affecting run on the game winner, but this is a veteran who knows where to position himself on the field at all times. He's great in hold up play. Uh, he's great in possession. <clears throat> so I, I can't quite criticize the decision to put him on. Also really makes it tough to grade his performances too, really, uh, at least from my eyes. Because quite honestly, things are just, uh, they haven't been necessarily uh, good um, in terms of his impact on the match. 
So that to me is where things kind of, uh, it becomes a gray area for Juan Agadello a little bit. Uh, but, but for me, it's just, uh, it's, it's not necessarily um, something I look at as uh, a huge determining factor in whether or not Minnesota United has won or lost, at least in this match specifically. All right, a few more minutes here, guys. So please leave your questions or comments on the stream. I would love to get more uh, from you guys as we, as we uh, kind of finish up here. Uh, Ton seven says I can be a bit critical at times and I feel for Finley and I feel like Finley didn't have a great night thoughts. We kind of answered that already in terms of Finley's, um, you know, better position as a sub as opposed to a starter. Um, and so when he starts, <clears throat> you know, um, I don't feel like he necessarily has as much of an impact as, as he does as a sub, but you don't really expect that from him when he starts either. All right, guys. Well, if there's no questions, one more questions or comments on the stream, we will get to what's on tap here for Minnesota United. And on the way, um, a match against Vancouver in Salt Lake on Saturday. So that's kind of an interesting one. Uh, the Whitecaps on uh, on Saturday, 9 p.m. kickoff. That one's at Rio Tinto Stadium in Salt Lake. Uh, then you go back home next Saturday, August 7th, against Houston and then against LA Galaxy on Saturday, August 14th. So uh, two of these three matches against teams who are below you in the rankings, three of your next four are against teams who are below you in the table, and four of your next six are against teams who are below you in the table. So it's really, it really is an opportunity here for Minnesota United to gain more points, get more points against lesser competition, at least at this point in terms of table positioning, and solidify yourself as one of those top five or top four teams in the Western Conference. All right, guys, my voice is about to go. Uh, that'll do it for Post Loons. Thank you so much to Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Thank you to everybody who watched, who's going to listen on the podcast afterwards, who uh, interacted on the stream. Really, really appreciate it. And we will catch you Saturday night. I promise it'll be a Saturday night one. It's not going to be a Sunday afternoon. We will be here Saturday night after the match against Vancouver. Until then, have a great rest of your week, guys, and we will talk then.